Okay, good morning everyone. If you could take your seats, that'd be great. I'm all set up, so here we go. Good, good morning. Yeah. So today, guys, we're going to be entering into our, our series called We the Church. Could you turn to your neighbor and say, We the Church? We the Church. This is going to be a four-week sermon series, and it's, it's all about learning about really who we are, who God says we are, learning to live from who, we, who God has said we are, okay? And we're going to answer questions like, who is Jesus? You know, maybe you're new to this whole church thing. Uh, we're, going to be, we're going to be tackling that, looking into that. What's the purpose of the church? Is there a church, you know, like geographically, and then is there a church eternally? We're going to talk about purpose. We're going to be talking about what God has made you for, what God has actually made you for, and so much more. But before we start, if, would you pray with me? We, we want God to open up our hearts, amen? We want God to preach his word. I can't do it. I simply can't do it without his help. So would you pray with me? Father, we love you because you first loved us. And we thank you for Jesus, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would exalt him today, that you would show us yourself so that we can live out who we are. I proclaim freedom in this place, freedom for every heart, freedom in our minds. And I ask you, Lord, over these next four weeks, that you would show us what your word says about the church. And you would show us what you are saying to us as a community at Trinity. Show us, Lord, what you would have us do in Waterloo Region that many would come to know you. Lord, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, Lord. Mobilize us, we pray, and anoint my words. Hide me behind your cross. Lord, let it be you speaking, not me. In Jesus, Jesus' mighty name. Amen? Amen. So we are God's beloved sons and daughters. You know, why don't you say that with me? We are God's beloved sons and daughters. That is true. And yet that's one of the most difficult things for us to grasp. It's one of the most difficult things for us to claim and really believe. Okay? And what... Part of, the, part of the issue that we have is that we have these coping mechanisms, okay? I got a big jumbo here. This is your life, all right? Now, if you're 5 or you're 15 or you're 50, it's still just like a vapor compared to eternity. It's still very, very small, okay? This is your life. And one of the things that we use to cope with this 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 we know in our heads that we are loved and yet we struggle so what we do is we answer by saying am i good am i am i doing good things so so if if you're doing good things you're feeling up you know you're moral maybe you help a, a nice lady across the street you give to the salvation army you're doing a bunch of good things you know but all of a sudden what happens when you do bad? And we all do it, don't we? 
All of a sudden, we, get, we feel low. Oh, I, I, sh- I did exactly what I shouldn't have done. And, and, we, and we go right down. We feel, we feel low. We even might get it, go into a depression. So one of the, the falsehoods is I am good. Okay, and that's how we all operate under that. It's not like there's like people that struggle with that and people that don't. We all struggle with this internal thing. We want to be good, right? The next thing is what do other people say about me? You know, if I have friends, you know, my friends are being nice to me. Maybe my wife is really, she's baked me something delicious. She's, you know, and, and all of a sudden I'm feeling great. You know, I'm way up here, Okay. But, you know, what, what about when my friends don't like what I'm doing? What about they, they disagree with what's going on in my life? What if they leave me? What if my wife leaves me? What if my kids don't want to have anything to do with me? All of a sudden, we're down here again. And this is a struggle we all go through. We're up, and we're down, right? Another one is, what do I have? You know, we collect trophies. We, we collect diplomas. We collect... Vacation spots, we collect houses, we collect dollars. And so what do I have? If I have a lot, if I've got tickets to the Blue Jays game, you know, I'm doing all right, you know, whatever can just kind of get me through. But what happens when everything kind of just disappears? Anybody had that happen before? Anybody? It happens. What, what happens when everything that you have is gone? Because here's the deal. And I don't mean to be blunt, but death is something that we all will face. Amen? And, it's, and it is part of the reason why we actually are up and down. It's because we're afraid. So today we're going to talk. We're going to talk about this dilemma that we have. You know, Pascal writes that all men seek happiness. This is the motive of every action of every person. And yet all complain. Such universal dissatisfaction should convince us of our own inability to reach good with our own efforts. We are made by, let's should say, is that wrong up there too? Yeah, anyway, made by. And for the divine, and only God can fill this void inside of us. And all of us have it. C.S. Lewis famously stated, If I find in myself a desire which no experience, listen close, in this world can satisfy, and isn't that the case for all of us, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. Amen? Amen? Today we're going to look at John chapter 3 because we're beginning this series about the church. And, and we have to start where the Word of God starts. We have to start with Jesus. We have to start with being born again. So turn with me if you've got your Bible. Wave it at me. Anybody bring their Bible? Oh, I love it. This is good. Okay, so we're going to, we're going to talk about this command. It's, it's, and honestly, it's the central message of the gospel. You know, most, we don't hear it much, and yet it's actually the most important thing. It's this command that Jesus says, you must be born again. You must be born again. And so let's read together. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. He was actually a teacher, Sadducee. 
This man came to Jesus by night, and he said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So he's being very polite. He sees that Jesus is doing miracles. He wants to discover who this Jesus is. And Jesus doesn't really even answer what he's saying. It's kind of amazing. He says, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. So here's the deal. This is, this is all, this system is a lie. We don't need it. And, and Jesus is offering us another way. He's offering us actually the only way. Jesus, Nicodemus responds to him and he says, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb? And be born. Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So he, he, he says two separate things here. He says you cannot see the kingdom, and you cannot enter the kingdom. Unless we're born again, the things of God are going to be very confusing. Have you ever been around a, a Jesus freak that's like, man, what's up with this guy? And, and that's part of this thing is that it's, you know, those that are led by the wind, by the Spirit, are like the wind. That's what Jesus says in this chapter. They're different. To be born again is to be different than the world. Completely different. And it's different from the inside out. Being born again is a work of God. Amen? It's not something we can kind of sign up for. It's not a course. And it requires a work of the Spirit. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And hopefully we're going to see that happen for some of us here. Being born again, the first point I want you to write down or just get in your heart here is that it's regeneration. Okay? It's a theological term, but what that really, really means simply is that when you're regenerated, you're brought back to your original purpose. See, that whole system, actually, God never ordained for you and I. That whole thing of being up and down and sin and hurt and pain, that's actually not God's will for us. And so when we're born again, we, we, we live our first day as a born-again child of God. Amen? Has anyone experienced that? Can anyone get excited about that? We're talking about the kingdom here. And it's amazing to me it's amazing to me that, you know, often we can, I remember being a seven-year-old little boy going out to Word of Life camp. Anybody know Word of Life? So, I remember, you know, I got baptized. I went up to the front, and I, I was like just convinced that I was born again. I was a Christian. I was convinced. I, I spent all those years reading the Bible. But you see, I didn't have any room in, in my heart for his word. I, the Bible made me feel better. The Bible actually made me feel better than other people. And, it led, and that religious spirit, I would say, actually, I believe, led me into a really tough path. And it wasn't until I was actually 20 years old 
that I was truly born again. Truly, truly born again. The things of God, when you're born again, the things of God become the things of David. Or put, insert your name. The things of God become the things of you. You're, nobody has to twist your arm to read the word of God. Now, if you have trouble reading the word, it's okay. Doesn't mean that you're not born again, okay? But here's the deal. You, you have a passion. You have a passion inside of you. The spirit of God births it. He births it. And, and actually, another thing is the Spirit of God gives you the desire to reach lost people. Amen? Does anyone experience that? That it's like this burning desire. You just can't help it. You just have to talk about Jesus. Amen? You just have to tell the good news. You just have to let them know that he died on the cross. And he rose from the dead. And he's not on that cross anymore. And if you put your faith in him, his, he can change your whole life. Amen? We just have to do it. The second point I want to share with you is that when you're born again, the scales fall off. Man, alive. And we realize our desperate need for Jesus. And this is an ongoing thing. This, hopefully it's ongoing. Lord, let it be ongoing. We are desperately in need of Jesus. Amen? We need him so much every single day. We're in need of his forgiveness and his cleansing. And for a new life that only he can give us. See, one of the reasons I know I'm born again, I know I'm different, is, is I don't, when I sin, it's not like I don't think it's a big deal. There's this conf- conviction. I, the Lord says, in, a, in, in the way only a father can, hey, David, that's no good for you. That's no, there's a better way. So it, when you're born again, do you sin? We still sin. It's okay, yeah, we can say yes. We still sin. Actually, First John says, if you, if, you're not, if you claim to not be a sinner, you're a liar. So God bless you. We all sin. Okay? But here's the deal. is the Spirit of God's in us. And He's cleansing us. And He's making us new. And we constantly, we live in this realization of God. We live, we live with, you know, you could say we live with Jesus on our rear view mirror and on, right on, in, our, in our front view. Jesus is just the focus of our life. We just look to Jesus. Whatever, whatever's going on, we're looking to Jesus. We're fixing our eyes on Jesus. Turn your eyes on Jesus, right? And all these things pass away. This is, this is what we need. We need new life. We spoke about new wine. Jesus wants to give us new mercies today and new wine. And number three, and this is amazing, and sometimes we truncate this one. We make this a heaven, you know, I'll fly away. One fine day, hopefully I'll fly away and I've got to stay away from evil down here, but, you know, one fine day. I like that song, by the way, but we can truncate this profound reality. Number three, the result is everlasting life. Everlasting life. But the amazing thing is, is it starts when you receive Christ. Amen? It, it actually starts the day you say yes to Jesus. The day you decided to follow Jesus is day one of eternity for you. And no longer do you have to walk around with guilt and shame. No longer. Why? Because the, the wrath of God has been taken off of you. Because it was placed on Jesus. Amen? Forever life. He, he who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life 
But the wrath of God abides on him. When we truly believe in the sacrificial life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, the Holy Spirit enables us to receive him deep, deep down and begins a process of cleaning and renewing us from the inside out. And the wrath of God is removed. When we reject Jesus, the wrath of God remains. So I want to I talk to you guys a little bit about God our Father. And I need you guys to interact with me, okay? Identity. Okay. So based on today's message, anybody tell me what our identity is? We are beloved child of, children of God. That's exactly who we are, right? You could say that we are the beloved. So be loved already, right? Okay. And we talk about this a lot. The church is to be holy, amen? That's, scripture says that. Now what happens if we bypass this? I want you just answer this for me, okay? Some bold person. What happens if we, we go to the Father, and we, but we, we bypass identity, and we go straight to obedience? What happens? Legalism. Tell me more. We start to work for our salvation. We start to... We start to feel like the father's not really a father. He's more of a judge. And you know, here's the deal. Put your hand up if you had an imperfect father. Yeah, everyone hand, everyone's hand should be up, right? And that's okay. My kids are going to have to, when some preacher says that down the road, my kids are going to have to say the same thing because I'm an imperfect father. And so what the Holy Spirit wants to do is he wants to reparent us. He wants to reparent us so we stop bypassing this. Why? Because based on what script, Scripture says, is He will keep us here for as long as we need until we're convinced that this is true because He's wild about us. He's wild about us. You say, David, but I just keep, do, I keep sinning. I just keep messing up. No matter how hard I try, I just keep screwing it up. But here's the deal. Believe his love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Everlasting life comes from believing the gospel. And the gospel is that he has satisfied the wrath of God. He's fully satisfied it. There's not like a little bit that you, know, you, can, you can add to it. And so when we live like this, we're actually doing exactly what the Pharisees do. We're, we're, we're living to please God, and actually God will have nothing to do with it. I don't even know what that was, but anyway. It's all good. God will have nothing to do with it. It's not that he has nothing to do with us, but he will wait. He'll sit and wait until we receive him the way he has ordained this entire planet to be received. Think about it like this. You know, Revelation says that he's the lamb who was slain before the foundations of the earth were laid. That means that he chose you way before he even made the mountains. He chose you way before he created the oceans. He loved you with an everlasting love. You are a beloved daughter and son of God. This is who you are. And as you receive this, not just up here, but deep down, as you receive it deep down, 
your life will change. And all of a sudden, the things that, the things that hold you and grip you and the sin and the, and the stuff, the junk, just falls off. It just falls off. We're about to hear an amazing story. And, and that story is from Marilyn Whit- Whitaker. So if you would, please welcome her up. All right, we just got to get some things situated here. Lori, where's that, that cordless? Okay, awesome. Awesome. Interview with Marilyn Whitaker. This is great. Would you like some help? There we are. Excellent. just want to pray before Marilyn shares her story, okay? Would you do that with me? Father, we love you and we ask you to speak through her story, Lord God. You said, Lord, that through testimony and the blood of the Lamb, we overcome the enemy. And Father, I pray that this story would be multiplied and that we would hear from you in Jesus' name. Amen. You go for it. Well, today I have... Uh, thanksgiving in my heart but it wasn't always so and I, I, uh, when David asked me to speak he, he mentioned to, to me that he, he felt that older people can minister to other generations thanks amen Psalm, is that true guys Psalm 145 verse 4 says One generation shall declare thy praise and shall declare thy mighty works. This prophecy is being fulfilled today. Today, we're going to step back in time to a day in the life of Marilyn Whitaker. The phone was ringing as my husband and I entered our Oak Park drive home in London, Ontario. I rushed to pick up the phone, somewhat surprised to see my sister, hear my sister who was calling from England. I hadn't spoken to her very recently, but today I sensed that her call wasn't just a sisterly call. As she went on to explain, she said, "Uh, are you sitting down? I have some bad news. And then she told me that my father had died that day. And as he was only 54 years old, it was sort of a shock. And um, I didn't, I was sort of stunned by that news. And I thought, how, how could it happen? He's only 54 after all. But anyway, she went on to explain that he had a, a heart attack while he was working. I didn't realize at that moment how the news of his death was going to change my life. In fact, his death was to impact me, my future in a way that I could not have imagined. Somewhat in a daze, I prepared supper for my family. My pastor husband, Barry, the children, Patricia, 13, Paul, 12, and Justin, 5. 
Our youngest son, Justin, was a sick little boy with a high temperature. He was very fretful, and as you, if you're a parent, you know only mummy can help that. With my young family to look after, time to grieve would have to wait to a later time. Shortly after receiving the phone call from England, while we were still coming to terms with the news of the death of my father, an urgent phone call came from a member of our church. Could the rector come? They went on to explain a male member of their family had committed suicide that day. Naturally, the family was in great distress. This call, the second we'd received within a few hours, telling us of the sudden death of a relatively young man, compounded my grief. In shock, many thoughts flashed through my mind. Whatever could have caused this terrible action, suicide. We knew the family well. Only a few weeks previously, Barry had officiated at the wedding of the man's daughter. We both had attended a large wedding reception following the ceremony. The celebration meal at the Holiday Inn in Wellington Road, London, had been a joyous occasion. And now this tragedy, how could this be? Listening... Excuse me. Learning of these two tragic deaths within hours of each other was emotional overload for me. I really needed the help and emotional support of my husband. However, it was not to be. God had other plans. There are no office hours for a pastor. And Barry's position as pastor required him to go to be with the bereaved family. So he left me, and uh, with my immediate focus was the children's bedtime. After the children were bathed and the older children were soon fast asleep, Justin continued to be fretful and was very slow to settle. Later that evening, I had time to start thinking of the sudden unexpected death of my father and also to register the shock of the tragic death of a church member. As I sat on the couch in our living room, I felt very alone, completely numb, unable to cry. I recalled the sometimes difficult circumstances that had contributed to my strained relationship with my father. I newly saw my father as a man rather than just my father, a man I'd never really had an opportunity to know, a man whom I had mostly seen through the eyes of my mother who had divorced him when I was about 11 years old. Suddenly overwhelmed with dismay, I realized it was now too late to say to my father three simple words, I love you. Three words I do not remember ever saying to him. In that instance, somehow, the three men and their human frailties 
all came together in my mind. I realized my husband Barry was now that same age as when I'd last seen my father. The man who had committed suicide was also roughly that same age. They were all between 40 and 50 years old. That evening, quite desolate and terribly alone, I remember sinking to my knees on the living room floor. In my distress, I cried out, Oh God, I've made a mess of my life. Help. Don't let it be too late for me to freely express my love to Barry. My cry for help did not fall on deaf ears. That evening, an ongoing process of emotional healing began. It was a healing I did not even know I needed. The wounds of a dysfunctional life are not only as visible as a physical injury, but can be just as crippling. Without understanding or realizing what was happening, I had built a wall around my heart to enable me to survive in difficult and challenging circumstances. I had come to accept what was normal for me was to be emotionally neutral. It had been a gradual process. I had not previously realized it wasn't normal to feel the heaviness that had been in my chest for so long, being neither sad nor glad, always in control, a stoic. Since then, the scripture, Harden Not Your Heart, has taken on new meaning for me. You see, I had thought I was a Christian. After all, I went to church, didn't I? I had been confirmed, hadn't I? I'm married to a pastor, aren't I? But now something new was happening. God, my Heavenly Father, in his mercy and grace, began his new work in me. I was 36 years old in 1970, the night my life was changed. In the next few days, I wept the tears that I'd been unable to cry during all those previous years. I wept unabatedly for three days, seemingly unstoppable. Tears would stream down my face regardless of who was present. Although I sensed something good had happened, I did not at that time understand exactly what had happened. When in the following day someone suggested to me that you have been born again, I had to think about that. I did know that suddenly I was thirsty for God's word. I was amazed by the revelations from scripture I could apply to my own life. My previous knowledge of the Lord had been purely mental. Now it was of the spirit, and the desire to know more was in my heart. As I read the Bible, I would excitedly run to Barry and say, look at this, look at this. I discovered truths in my Bible that had been there all the time, but I had not had eyes to see. I gradually came to see how great was the love of my Heavenly Father for me 
I began to see how precious I was in his eyes. Thus my healing began with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Scripture started to take on a new meaning and come to life. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh and put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my law. In the days following my father's death, I became aware of a tangible feeling of a dissolving and a dispersing of the frozen lump in my chest. I noticed I was being able to express my feelings instead of denying them or keeping them bottled up. As my heart was softening, I met each new situation differently, yet I was the same person. I felt I was being released, suddenly free, to live in a way I never had been before. The wonder was my Heavenly Father had given me a new and softened heart. I'd been born again of the Spirit. As I started to avidly read my Bible, hungry for direction, I saw the word Spirit for the first time. I also saw what had been there all the time for me to see, if I had not been so blind. That as Jesus promised, the Holy Spirit was there to guide me and comfort me. Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not behold him or know him, but you know him because he abides in you and will be with you. I will not leave you an orphan. I will come to you. Another scripture, like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word, that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Praise God. Now I'm able to trust my Lord and Savior, Jesus, guided by the Holy Spirit. May God be glorified. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. So would you stand with me? Jesus is the foundation of the church. And for the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about us, the church. We, the church. In Matthew 16, Jesus says to the disciples, he says, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say I am? He said to them, Sorry, Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, 
For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Now listen. Sometimes we believe he's talking about Peter. But I'm telling you, he's talking about the revelation of Jesus. Amen? He's talking about Jesus as the rock, our foundation, our sure foundation that no one can, can break. Jesus is building his church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This church is called to do some binding and loosing, amen? We are called in this region to tear down walls. But we've got to make sure our starting point is healthy, amen? And it's Jesus.